Good morning. I have a few announcements. Um, this Friday is Fun Friday here at the church. And most of you have not been to Fun Friday. So you don't know what fun is. If you want to find out, then come Friday. It's not every time that we get a chance to uh, just have fun together with uh, like-minded believers. And I, I like to see you all visit before and after church, but um, this is a time that we can just uh, have fun together. You don't have to play games. I don't, know people, I don't play games. Well, you don't have to play games. If you, if you like to have fun, you can watch others play games. You can uh, just fellowship, just talk anyway, and there's food. So, Also, we have uh, in the library... A sign-up sheet if you want Israel My Glory magazine. If you put your name and address on there, then you can get a free copy of Israel My Glory for a year. And that is a deal. And uh, there's pencils right there beside there. If you already have, if you're taking it, please don't sign up for it. They just want people who have never uh, had uh, this subscription. Israel My Glory, it is in the uh, library. It's our custom when people join our church to give them a uh, certificate of membership to kind of commemorate that, uh, uh, that event. So today we have uh, Jay and Michelle and Lydian Pine have joined the church. If you all come up here, I'll give you your certificate. Let's see. Here's your Michelle. I didn't know your name was Jason. <laughs> and Lydia. Welcome to Country Bible Church. Nice having you. Thank you. Okay. Let's see. I think that's it. Let's prepare ourselves this morning in our usual manner to... Partake of God's Word. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, and during that time we have the opportunity to name privately to God the Father any unconfessed sins which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your faithfulness. We thank You that You give us a day at a time. And during that day, we can make decisions that are going to honor You or we can be arrogant and try to live for ourselves. We live in desperate times. And for those who do not have the Word of God circulating in their stream of consciousness, they become confused, discouraged, angry. We're so thankful for your promises that we can rest in those promises, recognize that you are in control of all things. So we pray that you will help us to focus and concentrate on your mighty word this morning. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I had a Father's Day message for last Sunday. And you'll remember that we had a guest speaker, uh, Pastor Jim Myers, came. If you were here, you will remember how we were really blessed by that. 
And so I decided we're going to have Father's Day today. And uh, George, will you kill the lights? Not just these. I mean, all of them in this area here, the side lights too. Because I have some uh, PowerPoints that have to do with uh, fathers. And you won't have to be taking notes during this time. Is the TV on over here? Are we good to go? Okay, well, it's time turned on. All right, this, this is the first one I have. And this is, an, <laughs> this is an old one. You can tell it's old by the boom box she's holding. I mean, boom boxes went out a long time ago. Uh, iPod, I don't know what's coming next. I always think, well, this is, this is as far as they can go and they keep going further. Underneath this it says, America's new two-parent family. Of course, you have the little boy pointing the remote at the TV and saying, Daddy. And you have the teen, teen mom there. Uh, the expression on her face uh, says a lot. The reason I show this every Father's Day is because this is what so many families have become. The fathers are essentially absent, and there are so many single-parent families now. Most of them are uh, the moms who are trying to raise their children, and unfortunately too often the children are brought up with a substitute daddy, which is the TV. Now, here's another one that says a lot. It's typical of how husbands and fathers are portrayed by the media. Now, you notice the guy is holding a remote and he's got his popcorn there. I'm surprised that he doesn't have a, a, a beer and a, you know, Raiders sign behind him. And the, and the, and the female, the, the wife, I suppose, well, you can't even suppose that anymore, can you? They would, if this was in the paper, it would say his significant other or his partner. But we don't say those words around here. We talk about the wife. So I assume this is the wife. And she's reading the book. And if you'll notice, wherever you go, where you're looking at or listening to the radio, watching TV, going to movies, wherever it is, they have swapped the rules. The females today are the... Uh, hard, aggressive ones, the smart ones, in control, bossing men around, a lot of time uh, kicking their rear end. And then you have the men that are presented as buffoons. Uh, I, I, I don't watch much TV. I don't have time for it. But usually when I'm either I'm not working outside or I'm not studying uh, and it's time to have a meal, I'll sit down in a nice recliner and turn the TV on and most of the time, all it does is make my blood pressure go up because they they have all these commercials. Before long, it's not going to be anything but commercials. You know that the commercials are getting longer when, by the time the show comes back, you don't remember what it was. But they all have one thing in common, and that is the father or the husband, usually it's the father, is so stupid he can't even uh, find his way home. Uh, one of them is about... Uh, uh, what's, what are these devices? Uh, I, I guess it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a cell phone or what it is, but the dad is trying to uh, use it and go in another room, and his daughter says, uh, Dad uh, doesn't have a cord, 
and or, or the cord is long enough. Anyway, the whole spoof is that the dad is too dumb to understand that you don't have to have a cord these days in order to have something work. And the and the and the daughter does everything but just completely um, make him look like an idiot. I like this one. If you look at this one, you see the dad is leaving. Bye, kiddo, off to work. Here's you know Superman suit here, and in this, this is in the little boy's eyes. Notice the stars here, his eyes. Bye, dad. This is the way the boy sees his father here, Superman. Now he didn't look. He looks more like Clark Kent here, but uh, little boy's eyes, he's Superman. So fathers, just remember your sons and daughters are watching you. They're listening to you, and you are just so big in their eyes. And we have to strive to um, not let them down. Then we have, this is a um, Celtic, this is a uh, Celtic proverb. It says, fathers hold their children's hands for just a little while and their hearts forever. Those of you who have younger children, enjoy it because they don't stay young very long. <clears throat> Anyone can be a father, but it pay, takes someone special to be a daddy. And one of the things, gentlemen, is time spent with your children. Play with your children. I love to watch our, uh, guys playing with their children or even look at pictures like this. Look at the joy on their face. Here's another one. I remember when my daughter used I used to put her on my shoulders like that and go around and it seems like it was just the other day. Look at these faces. These are what memories are made of. Look at the words. Father, child, patience, Trust, time, love, pride, and joy. If you look closely, you'll find three of the fruit of the Spirit in those words. That would be love, joy, and patience. This is what it takes to be a good dad, all of those Don't stop hugging. You know, I guess it was about, I guess, eight or ten years ago, I was up in Arkansas visiting a friend. And they had a, a church group there. It was a small church. And they met at this gymnasium, gymnasium and they had a, a net up, and we were playing volleyball inside this gymnasium. And there were teenagers there. And I guess there were about ten of us all together. And... There was two brothers and a sister, and one of the brothers had to leave early. I guess he was probably 16, somewhere along in that age. And uh, his girlfriend was there too, by the way. 
And he had to leave for some reason. He went over. I was just I, I just glanced over when he started to leave. And he went over and he kissed his mom goodbye. They were both there watching. And then he hugged his dad goodbye. That impacted me so much that I can still remember it to this day. A 16-year-old boy hugging his father in front of other teenagers. I mean, I think that should have made the news because it hardly ever happens. You cannot hug your father and your mother too much. That showed a bond. That showed a, it, it just... I was standing there with my mouth hanging open because certainly when I was 16 years old, I was way too cool to hug my dad. I wouldn't even do it in private, much less in public, much less with my girlfriend watching. It just would not happen. And I look back now and I see how utterly stupid that was. It's not, you know, it was kind of a macho thing. Now that my dad is gone, I just wish that I would have hugged him more. But later on in life, it did change a bit. Um, one day, he, uh, we went to a family re- uh, uh, gathering, and everybody was hugging everyone. And I hugged everyone and got to my dad, and we just kind of stood there. And it was kind of awkward. And he said, why don't, we, why don't we hug? And I said, I don't know. He said, well, why don't we start? I said, that's a good idea. And from that day on, I guess that was, he lived maybe about eight or nine years after that. We never missed an opportunity to hug. When I came in to meet him and when I left, there was a hug. And that was the highlight of that time. Teaching them little things is important. You see the grandfather there and he's trying to teach his grandson probably how to bait a hook or how to put a hook on or whatever. It takes time to do these things. And they're little things. But this is what memories are made of. It's just taking time and training and showing and sharing. Here's another grandfather and their grandson. (laughs) Uh He's not so sure about this fishing thing. You see the look on his face? I was all upbeat. Let's go. You know, it's going to be fun. We're going to go fishing. Just like this the whole time, see. But uh, it worked. It, it, it turned out really uh, that he really liked it. In fact, I hate to tell you that he threw a fit when we left. So, Okay, George, you can turn the lights back on. Okay, I wanted to get the feel of what it takes to be a good father, but what we need also are uh, instructions, which I'll get to in a moment. I wanted to read something from Dr. Laura Schlesinger. I don't know if you all uh, remember her or not. A great uh, pundit. And this is what she says uh, about uh, fathers and and, and their children. She says, Our current societal norms have made marriage optional and unstable. Illegitimacy and abortion are rampant, and mothers of babies 
are denigrated if they sacrifice their careers for the challenges of raising their own children. This is part of the morning after pill and the daycare continuum. As children become less the point of our lives, less central to our daily doings and delegated to others for attention and maintenance, we become less and less aware of their very existence. Children deserve to be put first. They shouldn't be worked around a mommy's or daddy's more important schedule. I'm sick of ads and commercials that pander to frantic life that most families lead. One print ad for breakfast cereal for a breakfast cereal bar has this text. This is what it says. Quote, First thing in the morning, that's my time to herd everyone into the car. The bucket seats, those are our dining room, our dining room chairs, and the armrests, you guessed it, our table. And breakfast, that's got to be something that won't spill, drip, or stick to the upholstery. Buy yourselves some time. The only bars that are an excellent source of calcium and put the goodness of a bowl of cereal in the palm of your hand. You can imagine what Laura is going to say about that. <laughs> Happy smiling faces show from the car windows. Let's make it easier and easier to erode family time and the parent-child bond. As long as they get their calcium, it doesn't matter if they miss special, unhurried, focused time with mommy and daddy. The cavalier manner in which our society treats child care, not as a matter of intimacy and love, but as a matter of convenience and economics, is deeply destructive to our children's sense of attachment, identity, and importance. I have said over and over again for years, if you won't or can't offer your child yourself and time, then don't make babies. Get a parakeet. <laughs> you can always throw a towel over the cage and quiet it when you're busy or just not interested. Way to go, Laura. Okay, now I have... Um, a few things. This would be the time, if you're going to take some notes, this would be the time to do it. I have some instructions for fathers, and of course I'm going to have a word or two for the mothers because they're in on this also. First of all, point number one, fathers. Stop whining and complaining when things around the house are not going your way and set them in order. Now, this doesn't mean that the house has to be completely in shambles, but it does mean that you have to be forever vigilant. You are answerable to God Almighty Himself for the way that your household is run. It's not your children's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's your fault if it's not going the way that it should be. So, point number two, of course, a lot of guys would have this question. Okay, how? How am I going to do that? Because after all, you haven't seen my household. I think all of us from time to time would rather not have 
the workings of our household exposed to other people. Because we are all here, we look like we're normal people, but there's no, no normal people here. There's no normal household here. I mean, we put on the nice clothes, we come to church, and we have a smiling face, and we just, some people just hope, I hope my kids don't tear, tear down the church before we leave. I hope they don't do this. I hope my, my uh, husband is not, all these kind of crazy things. Okay, so the question is how. And the how is you, fathers, start by being a good example. That's how you start to change it. You don't change. You don't. The change doesn't start with them. It starts with you. After all, how can you expect your family to respect you if you're a bumbling, irresponsible boob? You have to get right with God first, and you have to ask for His help. And you have to go to His Word. Because make no mistake about it, God is holding you responsible. Point number three. In fact, point number three is so important that uh, I have a PowerPoint for it. Let's see if I can get it up here. Okay. You get exactly what you expect out of those under your care. That's point. That's the first thing you need to understand. You get exactly what you expect out of those under your care. If you don't expect much, you're not going to get much. And then the second one, and this one is just as important. If you don't assert your authority, you'll lose it. Today, asserting authority is compared to being a tyrant or a despot. And unfortunately, that's why so many families have uh, gone into a dysfunctional mode. God gave the fathers, the husbands, the authority over their household. And if you just try to get along and make friends and let everything go to please everyone... If you refuse to assert your authority because it might make someone mad or someone might not love you anymore, you will lose it because we all have an old sin nature. Now, asserting authority doesn't mean you become a drill sergeant and start barking out orders. It means you take responsibility if your family is not in order, you start to set it straight. Now, you might think, okay, I understand that part, but... Uh, how does that work? I mean, how do you, what do you do in order to start getting something straight? Like I said, first of all, what you're going to do is start making sure that you're right with the Lord. You understand uh, how to assert your authority in a loving way, in a firm but gentle way. You might call a family meeting. Have you ever done that? I mean, some of, if, even if it's just you and your wife. Even if you're not a father, but if things aren't going the way they should, then let's have a meeting. But most of you have children. You have children. You get them all together in one room with you and 
their mother. And you start talking to them. And you're going to tell them how things are going to change. Because you are in... Explain why. God holds you responsible for the function of your family. It's not going according to the way that would be pleasing to the Lord. And now you're going to make some changes. It's just that simple. Now, taking charge doesn't mean that you lose your thoughtfulness, sensitivity, or compassion for those under your care. What it means is that you start taking responsibility. And think about this. Because whenever you say something, if you're going to be the head of the house, which you are, but if you're going to act like the head of the house, you have to think before you speak. Think it through, whatever changes need to be made, and then you start employing those changes. But what if those under your care either ignore or resist you taking charge? What if they get angry and accuse you of being a tyrant and you can't let that deter you? Remember, I should have had this on the board as well because this is an important point for you to remember. Remember, respect is more important than receiving pseudo-love based on subordinates getting their own way. Getting your, if your family members are treating you, actually they're flattering you. You give us what, you, what we want, Daddy, and we'll be good. We'll give you a hug. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. That's pseudo-love. You don't need to be pals with your sons or your daughters. What they need is a father that will take charge. And you do, when you do that, you're going to get something that is, I, can say, I guess I can say it this way, in this sense, it's more important than their love, and that is respect. Because if you don't have their respect, and this goes for wives as well, if you don't have the respect of your wife, if you don't have the respect of your children, they cannot love you. The respect has to come first. And the way you do it is just simply take the role that God has designed for you as the leadership in the house. And when you do that in a loving way, in a thoughtful way, in a firm way, in a consistent way, they will follow and they will respect you. At first there might be some ruffled feathers but that's what's. I've got one other PowerPoint to go to. Here's the thing, fathers. You have to realize this. There has to be consequences for those who ignore or resist your leadership. And here's the kicker. Yelling at them is going to do no good. Don't yell at them. Don't yell at them because it's not necessary. Look at this. Shouting to make your kids obey is like using the horn to steer your car. And I know, I know how many parents that I've seen, Johnny, go wash your hands. Johnny ignores him. He just goes right away. Johnny, I said go wash your hands. Johnny ignores him. He just goes right. See, he's been trained because she didn't follow through, or he, the husband, whoever it is didn't follow through the first time. They know that they don't really even have to start getting serious about listening until the third or fourth time. And with the decibels, the volume is so loud that the neighbors can hear it. Then he decides, well, maybe I better go wash my hands. 
Because you're training them. Every time you tell your child to do something and they don't do it, and all you do is shout at them and raise the volume, that doesn't mean anything to them. It's not hurting them. They don't care. It's just when they get to the point where they're afraid that you're going to lose complete control, that they'll actually obey. Now, here's what it says underneath here. Parents should never raise their voice. And this, I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, bro. You don't know my children. Uh, you haven't been around my household. You don't know little dear Johnny. No, look at this. Give a clear command once and make sure it's understood. If it's not clearly understood, make it clear so that if it's violated, the punishment phase can be employed immediately. And for younger children, what you do is you get down on their level. You get down here. Now, Johnny, I want you to go wash your hands. Do you understand me? You're like this, see? And you're looking at them right in the eyes. And you get confirmation. And what it should be is, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Okay. And then you get up and you go your way, and you're doing something, and you turn around. Johnny, should, you should hear water running, right? And you might have to tell Johnny and you soap. So, <laughs> uh, if that doesn't happen, what do you do? Do you say, Johnny, what did I tell you? You know that he heard it because you just got confirmation from it. And when they don't do it, the first time, you say, okay, Johnny, whatever you have already planned, he should already know what the punishment is going to be. Uh, you know, there's your favorite corner over there. We've got a dot in it. Got a dot on that corner. Go put your nose on it, and I'll let you know when you can come out of the corner. Do you understand? You wait for yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Okay, go. I know what you, some of you are thinking. Yeah, but what if they don't stay there? Right? I mean, you, some of you might be thinking, well, he's crazy. I can't even get Johnny to be civilized, much less stand in a corner. Well, that's when you just ratchet up the, the punishment. I mean, children, children, don't you agree that children are smarter than cats and dogs? I know they don't act like it sometimes, but they, really, they, they, they can usually, you can teach them to read and write. I never saw a cat that could read or write. So you can train them, but you have to train them consistently. So if little Johnny knows that, okay, he's already in trouble because now his nose is in the corner, if he knows that the instant that that nose comes out of the corner, there isn't going to be any hollering, there isn't going to be, I told you something, he already knew, you got confirmation, and now if he gets his nose out of the corner, he knows what's coming next. It's, it's, it's not even a possibility that he's going to get by with getting out of that corner because you've already got confirmation, he broke it, all right, now the, the punishment phase begins. You understand what I'm saying? I, I don't mean to take up so much time going into this, but I think so many people these days don't know how to handle this. And little Johnny, he might not be the brightest bulb on the tree, but he can understand, you know what? It's, I don't like the corner, but I don't like what's coming if I don't stand in the corner. I like that even less, so I better stand in the corner. Okay. And you know what? This is, um, this is the Father's Day's message. Of course, this goes to fathers as well as mothers. But I'm talking to the fathers as well because the fathers, as we're going to see, they are, they are required by Scripture 
to train and to discipline their children and you just don't pawn it off on the wife, on their mother. Okay, take me just a second to get out of this. I'm talking about the Internet. <laughs> Thought I would just... Sometimes I think aloud and it gets me in trouble. <clears throat> okay, here's the last point. This is the last point of making points here. Uh, this would be point number eight. Listen to this, Father. Your relationship with God is more important than your relationship with your family. And your relationship with Him cannot be right if you wimp out on taking the leadership role He has designed for you as a husband and a father. Your relationship with Him supersedes your relationship with your family. You know what that means? It means you are answerable to Him. You don't go in here and try to buy respect and love by just letting the kids run wild and your wife talk down to you and everything has gone awry. What you do is, first of all, you understand God made you the head of the house. And that's a scary deal. You are required to provide and protect them. And a lot of fathers have, they're able to do that. They understand that. But when it gets down to actually being the leader, they're not too interested in that because it's not easy to do. So your relationship with God is most important. There's been innumerable men that have found this after their, their wife, their children got completely out of hand. And it is harder. If, you're, if your household is completely askew, it's dysfunctional. It's harder to set straight, but it can be set straight. It has to begin with you, and it has to begin with you on your knees to God saying, my household is, is out of control, and I know that I'm responsible, and I'm asking you to help me get it back in shape starting with me, that I'm going to be the father that they can respect. And if it means that I lose my wife, if it means I lose my children, if it means I lose everything, it does not matter because my relationship and obeying you must be number one. What do you think God's going to do with a prayer like that? Hmm? That's where it's got to start. All right, I'm just going to fly through some of these because uh, I'm going to give you some scriptures to back some of this up. And I'm just going to fly through them because I'm limited on time here. Uh, first of all, fathers, I already said that you are responsible for providing and for protecting your family. Luke chapter 11:21. When a strong when a strong man, listen to this, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. Huh. How about that? First, First Thessalonians 5:8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This past week, I straightened somebody out that was out in the mission field who didn't have this straight, and I told him point blank. I said, you take care of your family first, and then comes the ministry. Family, you take care of them. Next thing, fathers are responsible for responsible for training your children. Don't just put this... Don't put it off on the moms. And above all, don't put it off on daycare centers. I mean, I know that sometimes 
Today, everybody is so busy. The wife works. The husbands work. They can't hardly even manage to throw them, open the door and throw them into the daycare. But you are responsible to train them. If your child is in a public school, then you have double duty in training them because they go into at least eight hours into the public school system, which some people describe as a zoo. And now you have to train them. You have to teach them manners. You have to teach them respect. You have to teach them all these things that are missing in the schools. And I'm so thankful. Most of the, most of the parents here are homeschooled, so they have dodged that bullet. Here's some verses for you. Proverbs 1.8, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 4, 1-4, Hear, you children, the instruction of the father, and attend, and know understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine ear retain my words, keep my commandments, and listen to the last two words, and live. Do you know that when you train your children properly, that they have a a astounding better chance to continue to live? I'm talking about live physically and not die from drugs or venereal disease or all the other things that are out there today. Proverbs 3.22, Listen to your father who begot you. Proverbs 22.6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this is a proverb. That is not a chiseled in stone guarantee that if you do the things right as a parent, that your child will never go astray. But they have a lot better chance of making it in life and adhering to God's principles if you train them that way from early on. Next one is you're responsible for disciplining your children. You know, people get married these days and they don't even talk about before they're married. They don't even talk about, well, what about kids? You, do you want to have kids? How many kids? When do you want to have them? And who's going to discipline them? And how are we going to discipline them? Or do you believe in corporal punishment? They don't even talk about any of these things. All they do is hang out, hook up, and next thing you know, they're moved in, and here comes the kids. That's what Laura Schlesinger is so adamant about. If you don't have the time, if you don't have the will to bring children up right, don't have them. Get your parakeet, they're a lot cheaper. Okay, discipline children. Proverbs 3.12, For whom the Lord loveth, he reproveth, even as a father reproveth his son in whom he delighteth. If you delighteth in your child, you're going to discipline them. Proverbs 22.13 and 14. Oh, excuse me, 23.13 and 14. Withhold not correction from the child, for if you beat him with a rod, he shall not die. He'll make you think that he is, and he's not. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and deliver him from hell. That's from the Bible, folks. And today in our society, if you even raise your voice to the little darlings, you might have a knock at the door of our CPS. We're here to take your children. You're abusing them. That is a vicious evil, by the way. Ephesians 6, 4. 
And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but nurture them in the chastening and admonition of the Lord. This is, did you hear this? This is the fathers and you have the word nurturing there. That's always associated with mothers, but the Bible says, no, this is for guys. Nurture them, train them, bring them up. And here is the, the last and most important point. Get this one down. Never, 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 never discipline your children in anger. You don't do it. Don't do it. You see, they don't learn that way. They just think that you're angry at them and you're just getting back at them. You wait, and, and I know, sometimes you have to cool down. You know, little Johnny, he just took your cell phone and flushed it down the toilet. And so you just have to, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five. Ask the Lord. Lord, help me. I want to kill him. If you have to unload all your guns, whatever it takes, cool them. And then go into little Johnny and say, Johnny, we're going to have a little session here. Explain to him what he did wrong and that he, have, have him acknowledge that he knows it was wrong. And this is the punishment. God requires you to punish little Johnny and you're doing it in love because you don't want him to grow up and become a little Hitler or something. And so this is for your own good, little Johnny, and then you use the rod. But see, if you do that in anger, all he knows is, well, mommy, and da- mommy or daddy is just taking out their frustrations on them. And you know why most people get angry when they're going to discipline their children? Because they let it go too long. You know, John, at first it just kind of was grating on your nerves that they were getting out of line. And then they just started, you know, little curtain climbers or tearing down the things, and then you're just, you know, then you're really getting angry. And then it's always the last straw. You know, something's spilled, something's broke, whatever it is. And then you, you just go into the irate mode, and you want to get something and actually just beat them to death, and you're screaming, and everybody's afraid. Listen, when you discipline your child, it should be a controlled environment. They can learn control by you keeping your control and not losing it. I have to hurry along here. You should be shown proper respect. Did you hear that? You should be shown proper respect. That's something that's that's missing so much these days. People are lazy and they're, they're slack. They just are... Uh, they're not even, they don't even use good manners anymore, much less showing the proper respect to where it's due. And fathers are due the highest respect. Listen to this. You, Proverbs 20.20 20. Whoever curses his father or mother, his lamp shall be put out in blackness of darkness. Do you know what putting the lamp out is? It's snuffing out the life. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and despises to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick out and the young eagles shall eat it. That is, the eye that mocks. What that means is the child would be executed and as a disgrace they wouldn't even bear it. they throw it out in the field and the 
and the birds feast on their eyeballs that they were rolling at their parents. You know what an eye roll is. It's, an, it's a nonverbal expression of contempt. Just because it's not verbal doesn't mean that it shouldn't get the penalty that it's deserved. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Does God take this serious, the respect that should be shown to the father by the parents, I mean by the children and the wife? Okay, wives, I'm running out of time. I've got to get to you before we end. I know this is Father's Day, but we'll give the fathers a rest for a moment. Now it's for you ladies. You know, you ladies can help your children show proper respect, but it starts with you. When you show proper respect to your husband, then the children will follow suit. Here are some things that you do not want to do, wives. Number one, don't correct or overrule your husband. Period. Got that? I've seen it happen so many times. And it, it's not on purpose, but other people notice. I notice it. Some, uh, some man will be telling a story about, well, we went up to uh, Chicago last May, and the wife said, oh, no, no, it was June. <laughs> Who cares if it's June? She just disrespected her husband in front of everybody. Well, while we were up in Chicago, uh, I caught a... 10-pound striped bass. No, it wasn't striped bass. It was, it was a mackerel. <laughs> oh, well, maybe she's right. But she is wrong. She is way wrong. What, you know, I don't see... And this can go the other way. Men can also disrespect their wives by correcting them when they don't need to be correcting them. But they don't do it so much because men can't remember things anyway. The women, that they know what colored blouse they had, what shoes they were wearing, and they know all these things. The guys just wear, well, yeah, I think I went fishing. Um, point two. By not giving him orders, shouting, or talking down to him. Wives, you don't give your husband orders ever, ever. He is the king of his castle. And you don't talk to the king that way, and you don't give him orders. If, you, if, you're, if you're used to doing it, stop. And if you're a husband and your wife has been giving you orders, the next time she gives you an order, you just, like, ignore it. didn't even happen. Listen, when I was dating Carrie, we weren't even married yet. And she, very rarely, if she slept up and told me to do something, I don't know, what, what she, what, go get me a drink of water. I would just, doo, 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 you know, I'm just like, I didn't hear it. I'm right there. She knows I heard it, but I just, and then she would say, will you please get me a drink of water? I said, I'd be glad to. You see? And the children are watching that. If the children see you giving orders to your husband, then what they're going to think, oh, well, you're the one in charge. They don't even go to daddy. He's a boob. Go to mommy. She's the one that's got all the stroke. She's the one in charge. Number three. By encouraging him when he makes a mistake rather than criticizing, you know, 
I can assure you there is no perfect father here. There's no perfect husband, and every one of them are going to make a mistake. They're going to mess up. But what you, to, what you wives can do to encourage the respect that should be shown to your father, I mean to your husband, for the children, is to be very quick to forgive. Very quick to forgive. And fathers, for you, just because you're in charge doesn't mean that you can strut about as if you're Mr. Universe. Certainly don't look like it. What you do is if you do make a mistake, you're the first one to acknowledge it. I made a mistake. I'm, I, I was wrong on this, and I apologize. Anything that, anything that causes as, as a hurt or pain, I, it's my fault. I take responsibility before God. You can even ask for their forgiveness. This does not minimize your authority. It raises you in their esteem, you see. And the wives should be very quick to forgive and not hold, you know, shout at him or belittle him in any way. All right, this is point number one, two, three, four. You can really help this respect that is due to fathers by not arguing with him. I don't know what you're thinking. All right, Pastor, you done really got off in the two leaves now. There's no such thing. And I'm, I will mm, modify that a little bit. <laughs> First, don't argue in front of the children. How about that? Can you manage that? Don't argue in front of the children. I was very fortunate. Um, I, very, very rarely did I ever see my mom and dad argue. I know they did. They had to. I can remember my sister told me that we were at the dinner table. Back then, everybody actually sat at the dinner table and ate together. And she, she had some mashed potatoes, and he said it was too runny, and she poured it over his head. <laughs> like that. I know that's not an argument, but it's a little problem in Camelot there. So don't argue with him. You know, and I know that there are going to be some disagreements. <laughs> Let's call them disagreements. Can we do that? I guess a disagreement is when the, they don't call the law, maybe. Um, anyhow, what we're going to do is we're going to talk it out. But d before you even go to this council that you're going to call, take your wife aside and go through it with her and see if she's got some ideas. You know, just because you're the, the, the leader doesn't mean that you can't get the feminine perspective. And get to, listen to what she says. She might have some really great ideas. And use it. Talk to her first. And then you go in and you have your family meeting. She's already on board. But if there's something that the wives, if there's something, if, if you think that your husband has done something that is not right with the children, don't do it in front of the children. Don't say, Henry, you're wrong. You shouldn't do that. No. You just say, Henry, uh, can I see you in the kitchen? This is the last one. You need to teach the children that Daddy is the king of the castle. That makes Mommy the queen and the children prince, princes and princesses. You know, you have, Carrie was so great at doing this. Um, when I would take them out, my, uh, my daughter, Allie, and, and Carrie, and I would go out to eat somewhere. 
Every time. And you know what they see? It stuck. Every time after we were through eating and we were, we'd get up and we'd be leaving the restaurant, they would say, thank you, Daddy, for taking us out to eat. And when I would come home, it would be a big deal. I mean, you, the children would actually stop. And they would, be, they would meet you at the door. This is the way it used to be. Can you all see this? It says, Father's knows best. And I have it here. Uh, and I've shown a few of these to the young people class. It used to be more like this. When was the last time you sat down at the table with your entire family and had a meal and just talked? That doesn't even happen anymore in most families. But the Father can make it happen. He can say, Okay, family, we're going to have a family council. We all get around the living room. We're all going to start. And, and this is, you know what? We're becoming strangers. I really don't know what's going on in your lives like I would like to know. Since God has made me the leader of this, we're going to start doing something a little different. Uh, the evening meal is going to be at 6.30, and we're all going to be at the table and eat together. And you kids are going to help Mom make the dinner. And we're going to talk. And you can imagine what a 14 or 15-year-old teenager is going to Oh! I mean, they don't think that it's a, a, a prison sentence. But they come together and you start talking. You know what's going to happen? Because you put forth that effort to make that happen. They are eventually going to loosen up and they're going to start talking and you're going to start knowing each other more. And there's going to be a bond there that did not exist before. You can't just spend a few minutes with your children and call it quality time and think that there's going to be that bond, that, that respect, and everything that should be part of a family. It's not going to be there. And fathers, you are the ones that have to make it happen. You call the shots. You do it however you want to do it. You might say, okay, we're going to have a fun night. We have Friday night fun night this, at the church. You can do it at home. And the, you expect, especially if you have teenagers, you're going, to get, you're going to get challenged. And if you're going to say, we're going to play a board game. Oh, <laughs> you know, if you don't plug it in these days, what is it? I mean, where, you could get out a board game and the kids say, well, where do you plug it in? Where, you know, entertain me. Give me, show me something scintillating that I can sit back and act like a vegetable and just like this, and that's what I want. No, you're going to teach them how to play a board game. You're going to teach them how to win properly, how to lose properly. You're going to teach them how to have conversation. This is something that has to be taught. It's a skill, and children don't know it because the parents aren't teaching them how to have a conversation. And so today we have a whole generation of a bunch of grunts and groans. Yes, and uh, you know, yeah, uh huh. And they kind of know what they're saying, but I don't think completely. They just go, oh yeah, well I don't know anything either, so that's cool. And so if your parent, if the parents train their children, and it has to be in love, it has to be consistent, and you can expect there's going to be some eye rolling. Well, okay, this, I'm, I'm nearly out of time. Well, I'm out of time. Well, anyway. Um, you can expect when you say, okay, we're going to have a family night. 
and we're going to eat together, or we're going to go out to a movie, or we're going to get pizza, or we're going to have a board game or whatever. What is the little darling 15-year-old girl likely to do? But Danny, I'm supposed to go out with the girls that night. Well, I understand, hon, but uh, you can do that another time. We're going to have family night. Family night? One of those. So what what do you do as a parent? And since she's 15, you might give her a warning. Uh, Hun, we don't roll eyes here anymore. When we roll eyes, we start losing things. So the ne- this is your one and only warning. The next time I see an eye roll, you know, things that plug in are going to start missing. They're going to they're go missing. You understand, Daddy? I've got, to, I've got to bring this to an end. I'm way past time. But here's my last point. You can't squeeze in an hour here or there with your children when it has been convenient for you and call it quality time and think that all is well. You must make time for them. It's your duty. They are worth it. And you will be forever glad that you did. I'd like everyone please to bow your heads. This is usually the time I give the gospel. And indeed, it is important to know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He went to the cross. He died for your sins. He was buried and rose from the grave and offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. But we live in a society, we live in a time that has gone so far away from the mark that God would have us have. The families with a godly father that is full of love and devotion and children who respect and idolize him and a wife that is obedient and respects and loves him. That is all but missing today. And here we are the royal family of God. But it's so easy to allow things to incrementally, little by little, get off course to a point to where it's becomes a disaster. You are our Heavenly Father and we come to You and ask You to help the fathers to become what You would have them to be. Those leaders, those loving ones who take the responsibility, who actually lead their family and make the changes that are necessary for there to be a thriving love and respect and growth in that home. We cannot do it on our own. And we implore you and ask you to help each one of us to be ever vigilant and look to you for help and guidance as we put our families back on track. We pray this in Christ's most high and holy name. Amen.